0: You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture.
1: Heavenly Father, you are like no other being we could possibly worship. The Bible describes you as majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, a worker of wonders. You have blessed us in Christ in multiple ways, including loving us even before you created the world, adopting us into your heavenly family, and redeeming us through the precious blood of Christ, forgiving all our sins. To, the completely remo- to completely remove all guilt, all shame, and all condemnation. You have done all this and much more according to the purpose of your will and to the praise of your glorious grace. Although we know these things to be true because they have been clearly revealed to us through your word, the Bible, we often fall far they often fall far from our concept of who you are and what you've done for us in Christ. Uh, We admit to you, Lord, that we falter. We falter in our understanding and our appreciation of your greatness for many reasons. Sometimes it is because we are fallen creatures, desiring our own ways and our own passions over what you have told us clearly is pleasing to you. Sometimes it is because we are simply finite, overwhelmed by not knowing what lies ahead in our lives. Sometimes it is because we are fearful, letting our imaginations dwell more on the apparent bigness of our circumstances instead of your all-sufficient power and presence. And sometimes it is because we're fragile, easily discouraged and distracted by the pains and discomforts of our lives. Lord, you know how particularly I have struggled with fragileness this past week, spending most of it in bed sick. I had plans to accomplish significant projects, and yet none of them was even started due to something something as small as a virus or a bacteria. Being incapacitated by sickness was both humbling and frustrating, and yet in the hours of discomfort You reminded me that of the many simple yet huge blessings I do have such as generally good health, a loving family, and a comfortable home. It also reminded me how dependent I am on you for everything and that prayer to you can be done anywhere, anytime, under any circumstances, even in a bed of sickness. Father, I know that I'm not the only one who has struggled with health issues at Red Sea. From Sarah's battle with pneumonia to Jamie's bout with the flu, from Christie's ankle injury to Dave's neck surgery, many of us have struggled with our personal fragileness, not only physically, but some of us also emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. May each struggle whether ours or another person's that we're aware of, remind us of our constant dependency on you and our need for your grace in our lives. Grace that moves beyond our concept of undeserved favor to the experience of your tangible help in our lives. Lord, we come before you as individuals, as families, as a people, desirous, needing your help in our lives. And it's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks, Royce. Uh, hey, my name is Josh. I think I know or have met uh, most of you guys. Uh, if I haven't, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to today. I'm also, like Royce, uh, rather sick, and so I've been hiding in the back a lot. Uh, I'm not trying to be unsocial. Uh, I do like you and would love to meet you. Uh, but I don't want you to get sick. My wife was, was really sick this past week, and now it's coming, moving its way around the family. Uh, we're going to start off our service after we read our passage with a little uh, visual here. You going to help pass these out, Royce? Um, everybody, reach into the bucket. It's like a reverse offering. Uh, everybody, re- and just grab one little piece of paper. And you're welcome to look at your uh, at your little piece of paper. Uh, while that's going along, uh, I'm going to do a, a little bit of an intro here, and then we're going to walk through our passage in Matthew 13. Uh, we've been working through the the book of Matthew. Uh, we're in the parables section. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, John, you'll have to be quick there, man. Um, we're in the parable section of Matthew where Jesus is talking to uh, crowds, uh, the religious uh, for the most part, and his disciples, and he's talking to them in, uh, in parables. Uh, Royce last week walked through the parable of the seeds, and this week we're going to be walking through the parable of the wheats. And, and in Jesus' parables, he tends to use everyday analogies uh, metaphorically to speak of his kingdom, uh, to speak of the ways of God and, and all that god is is doing now, I love parables because they 're kind of like peeling back the, the the kingdom and being able to peek behind the curtain of the realities of what God is all about and, and what he 's doing and most of the parables have really clear meanings in their context, like you can read a parable and think about what is what is he saying, and then in context they 're pretty, pretty easy to understand. Well, when you see people hearing the parables, many times they don't get what he's saying. The disciples sometimes don't get it. The religious leaders don't get it. And so last week, after the parable of the, the seeds, the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, you know, why do you, why do you speak to them in these parables? Uh, and Jesus said, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Uh, and then later he says, "What blessed are your eyes, for they see in your ears uh, for they hear. So parables are meant to give us a peek inside of the kingdom. To the, they're truths of God, like, like the gospel is. It's a truth about who God is and what he's done. But sometimes we don't see the meaning behind it because God doesn't want us to. God opens up hearts to believe his truth. And so today, as we look through these parables, we're going to look at some pretty hard truth. Uh, the challenging thing about the parables is they tend to lump people in categories. They're, they're a bit of generalizations. But when God does a generalization, it's okay because he's God and he's good and he can do that. Um, but parables like the one today can be offensive to our politically correct ears. And so this is one of those that's going to come across as offensive. So stick with me. Uh, we're going to process through it, get at the heart of what God is saying here in this parable... Uh, And walk through it. We're also going to be looking at a ton of scripture today because parables can be a little vague, but when you look other places in the Bible, you can find clarification on exactly what they, what they mean. So we're going to look at a truth in the parable. Then we'll jump over to another passage of scripture and make that connection back and forth. So we've got 10 or so passages of scripture. They're going to be up on the screen uh, as, as best we can. So don't feel like you have to open your Bible and search real quick to Ephesians and then jump over to second Chronicles and jump over to second Peter. Uh, just kind of look at them up on the screen, and trust me that that's what it actually says. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Matthew 13:24 uh, through 43. I would invite you guys <coughs> to stand as we read the Word of God together. And like I said, it's up here on the screen. And then stay standing afterwards, because I want to pray for our hearts. Uh, because just like Jesus said, many times our hearts are closed. So we tend to stick our fingers in our ears and not want to hear the truth of God. So we're going to pray that God would open up our hearts to His truth. So Matthew 13, In verse 24, and I'll I'll try to, I may struggle through this. So he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good weeds in your field? The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables, indeed. He said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire So will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Uh, Father, would you open up uh, our ears to hear uh, the truth of your word. Um, Speak to us, uh, Father. Soften our hearts to your ways. I ask this in your name. Amen. You guys have a seat. Can you grab me a bottle of water? I forgot. I'm sorry. Um, So I want to walk us through a a little visual. and I'm going to combine last week's parable and this week's parable. Last week was the parable of the seeds. And in the parable of the seeds, uh, Jesus said, uh, the, the, the kingdom is like a man who has scattered seeds on the ground. Some of those seeds, they fell among paths. Uh, some of those seeds fell on rocks. Some of those seeds fell on thorns. And some of those seeds uh, fell on soil. And he was talking about the seed being the truth of the gospel. And one out of four basically is implied. One out of four grows and produces uh, fruit uh, for the kingdom of God. The others, the others fall away. Well, in our parable this week, he, he does two different types of seeds. He does some that are wheat and some that are weeds. But between those two parables, it's pretty telling about who's actually in God's kingdom and who's outside of God's kingdom. So here's what we're going to do in our activity. Um, Did all the pieces of paper get used in the bucket? Who wound up with the bucket? Anybody? Alrighty then. So we had 50, um, there it is. We had 50 of these little tags in here. And on each of the tags, oh, nicely done. Uh, On each of the tags, your tag either says wheat or weed, okay, on one side of it. And then on the other side, if your, if your tag says weed, then it's blank on the other side. If your tag says wheat, then it has a description on the other side. It either says path, rocks, thorn, or soil, right? Okay, here's our activity. You get a little bit of movement here. I need everybody to participate. It won't last long. If yours says weed, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you guys are like, sweet. Uh, if yours says wheat, you have to come up front with me up here. So we're going to line up on the front in a row here. All the wheat people. It shouldn't say wheat and wheat. Man, you're like in the kingdom and out of the kingdom. That's pretty cool, Joe. That's called a typo. Uh, and, and why don't you come on up? You can, you can come up here. Uh, yeah, I, and, and I'm going to give you... Uh, soil. I mean, I'm going to give you. Um, oh no, it's says thorns, wheat, and thorns. So it either says weed or wheat. So you're right. Come, on, you're good. You're up here. Okay. So according to these two parables, and here's my disclaimer for all of you statistics people. Where's Jim? He was in here earlier. Um, what's the problem with dividing the room like this according to the parable? I just did 50-50. Does the passage say that? No, it really doesn't tell you that. It doesn't tell you that there are as many seed, wheat seeds as there are weeds. But when you look other places in the gospel, it would imply that there are as many wheat as there are weeds. So in this one, there's enough weeds that if you pulled them all out, it would also destroy the wheat. So we have to assume there's a lot of weeds inside of the wheat, right? We can look at other places in the gospel when Jesus talks about the kingdom. He says uh, the way into God's kingdom is a narrow way and the way to, to leads to destruction is a wide path. So we look at both those and we see volume, one's less, one's more. So work with me here in the analogy, okay? So I just did 50-50. Unfortunately, you guys that are sitting down, according to the passage, you're all in hell. I'm sorry. Work with me. Uh, but this is the visual. and This is why I didn't pass these out. I wanted you guys to draw. But, but Jesus says, hey, there's all these seeds. Half of them are not of my kingdom and half of them are inside of my kingdom, Okay? Now let's pull up the population counter if you can, uh, Nate, if you can get that website up up and running. In the analogy, the world is the field, right? So us as a church are representing the population of the world. And in the analogy of the scriptures here, the field is meant to be all the world. Here's the population counter of the world. There's currently 7.4 billion and growing uh, people who are are on the planet, right? So we represent the 7.4 billion people who are on the planet. Let's say half are in the kingdom and half are out of the kingdom according to the parable. Okay. Now, all of you wheat people, if yours says path, you may sit down. All the people that, if yours said path on it, it said wheat and path, you're, go, you're good. Well, actually, that's not a good thing, man. Uh, so the path, these are the people that, they, they believed the gospel, the truth was there, they confessed, but then it was snatched away from them uh, by the evil one. And it doesn't give us a whole lot of details inside of that. Okay, for all of you guys who say wheat and it says rocks, you may go and sit down. Uh, the rocks are those people who heard the truth, yet persecution came upon them and they fell away out of, out of God's kingdom. Uh, lastly, all of you who have thorns on your piece of paper may sit down. The thorns are those who believed in the truth, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness choked the, the word and it proved unfruitful. Now you last six, you guys can come here. And I don't have a piece of paper, so I'm just walking through the analogy. You guys move in. Okay. Now here's the disturbing truth of the reality. Right? If, if, if this is the population of the world, the 7.4 billion, these six get into the kingdom. And that's it. Right? I mean, let that sink in. Look at that number on the screen. A lot of people we're talking about here. What is God getting at? Why, why, the, the, why the exclusivity? Why don't more people get to come into the kingdom? Well, Let's walk through the parable and figure that out. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Good job. Okay, so here's how I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to, to take over here of this show. And then let's see if this works. Bam. Okay. Uh, so what I'm going to do, and this is just how I prepared for this message this week. You can take any Bible verse and walk it through these four questions. We've done this quite a few, few times in the church. You can open up the Bible. If you want to understand what a passage of Scripture says, usually you just say, what are the truths of this passage? What, what can I glean out of it? What's not true about this passage, something that I believe or is a cultural belief, what what are we not supposed to do in relation to this passage? And then lastly, what are we supposed to do? That's just an easy framework to walk through any passage of Scripture, to go from truth to to application. And so it's what I did in my sermon prep this week, and I just wanted to walk you guys through that. So here are the blatant truths from this passage as God is speaking to us about His kingdom. He says in the passage, the field, it represents the world. Uh, The one who sowed the The one who sold the good seed, it's the son of man, it's Jesus, it's God incarnate. Uh, The good seed referred to as the wheat, uh, they are the sons of the kingdom. They are those who have been saved, they're Christians, they've been brought into the kingdom. Uh, The weeds are the sons of the evil one, or known as the devil in this passage. Uh, The harvest is the close of the age or the end of the world. Uh, The reapers are God's angels that come through and separate the two categories. And here's how they separate them. All causes of sin and lawbreakers, anyone who is unrighteous, uh, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God is coming in and his blood's been placed on some of us and we believe and we have been made righteous. So the unrighteous will be thrown into a furnace and all the righteous will go to the kingdom of their father. And they will be a part of his light, is how it explains it here in this passage. So those are the key truths of the passage, which are, are pretty powerful truths. And that's where Christians get partly their theology from: is passages like this when Jesus speaks, and in other places. Now, there's some also implied truths inside of this, and I'm not going to put up on the screen. But it's really, really interesting. An implied truth is that both God and Satan are sowing seeds in the earth. Okay. Every human is one of those seeds. You are either being grown and nurtured by God, or you are being grown and nurtured by Satan. There's no third category. Another real, real interesting truth is it implies that there's a battle going on between God and Satan. God created, ultimately God planted all the seeds, but Satan came in and he took those seeds and he changed them. And he made them into something that was opposed to God and his kingdom but it implies that, and we know from other places of scripture that there is a cosmic battle being waged between God and humanity for the between God and Satan for the hearts of mankind for humanity. We see this in passages such as Ephesians 6:12. It says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness." Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we see that there is a, a battle going on, and it's a, a battle in a, inside of a spiritual realm that, that folds into the physical realm. And it's, it's between cosmic powers, God and Satan. Satan has control over this present darkness. Uh, and he is ruling and reigning. We can see that also in, in, uh, in Ephesians 2, if you read through Ephesians 2. So that's interesting. So the, there's a cosmic battle being waged between God and Satan. And if you read in the book of Revelation, it talks about how one day this battle will come to an, an end. One day, Jesus, one day Jesus is going to... Uh, I don't have the, the passage. One day Jesus is going to return. Uh, he's going to come back. Uh, after that, at some point, there will be a battle between God Satan, God and Satan, God's army, Satan's army. Uh, God will win, according to the book of Revelation. And everyone who has not been made righteous uh, will be punished eternally. And it's referred to here as a fiery furnace. Now, the Jesus listeners, when they heard fiery furnace, they would have automatically gone to the book of Daniel. They would have thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's not a pretty picture, right? That's why he chose it. He chose a picture that they would, that they would, would understand. This is truth. Some of you may not believe that truth, okay? I don't know all of your theology, but I have to trust that as we read the word together, God's going to change our hearts to know his ways or he's going to to close them. I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Other really interesting observations that we can learn from this text. The wheat and the weed are hard to distinguish, Because it says that when the seeds were planted, the weeds grew long enough that they became intertwined in their root system with the wheat, which would imply they grew for a while before you could notice. Well, how would that happen? Most likely in the analogy, it doesn't say, there was a real common weed called darnel that would grow in, at this time, in in Jesus' context, and it was a poisonous ryegrass that looked a lot like wheat until it came to the harvest time, then it had these little black poisonous heads on it which is interesting if that's the analogy Jesus is going for uh, with his people. But you can't tell most of the time that the two are, are separate from one another until they're mature, something, the fruit is produced outside of what is growing. That's how you will know whether it's a part of God's kingdom or a part of Satan's kingdom. So interesting observations, right? Here's one more. Now this is implied, and it's stated other, way, other places in text, that a weed can become wheat, right? We see this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God creates. Satan comes in to destroy, but then God redeems back. That's the picture that we're being painted here in this parable. And here's my last uh, uh, kind of truth observation is that, and, it, and it's, 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 it's hard to see a little bit here, but the more I read and the more I studied, uh, I, I found this is a really good truth that God is not quick to destroy lawbreakers and sinners. He is not quick to destroy humanity. We see this in Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord, is not sl- the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That tells us a lot about who God is and what He's trying to do. He desires that all would come to know Him. The reality is many, 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 many are choosing not to follow God and are choosing to reject Him. So then what's not true in this passage? And there's just three of them that I came up with as I thought about it. One has to do with humanity, one has to do with God, and one has to do with Satan. And I believe they're cultural misperceptions of who God is, who Satan is, and who we are. Now here's the first one. Uh, a common misperception, something that's not true, that's not in this passage, is that there is a third seed, or there is a third option. I can either be for God or I can be against God, or I can be this other thing where I'm really just neither. I'm just myself. I'm I'm autonomous. I'm not of God. I'm not of Satan. I'm of self, right? God places that in Satan's camp. It's either God's kingdom. There's no other kingdom. It's either God or Satan. I mean, that's what's implied here in this passage. We see this in passages like Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 7. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, Following the prince <coughs> of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Wow. That doesn't really place in, in a, a, a third option, does it? It says, We all were once dead in our trespasses, following Satan. Right? Right? I don't know if any of you guys are Walking Dead fans. I'm a big, the AMC series, of Walking Dead. I know it's incredibly brutal, but I just, gosh, I love it. Um, and I just got to see the kickoff to the second part of season five, and it was like, awesome. Um, but every time I watch that show, I think of passages like this. That you were once the walking dead, right? Following the prince of the power of the air. You were the sons of disobedience. You were children of wrath. That's the truth of how we all once were. And then God came in and he saved us. We had nothing that God needed, but it was a sheer act of grace that he gave us. Here's another interesting observation here. Go back to our truth. truth what's not true? It's not true that God does not love the weed. I'm not saying God loves weed. I'm saying that God does not love I had to, I'm sorry, saying that God it's a misconception that God does not love, love the weed. For God, John three, sixteen through seventeen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God desperately loves his creation, all of them. All the way down to the the worst, God loves us. God loved Hitler. God loved Osama bin Laden or anybody else you want to put in that category. He does not desire that any should be separated from him. But many choose not to follow God. And if God loves that much, so should we. Amen? We're saved by grace and grace alone and we give grace to the world. Here's an interesting one here. It also says that uh, what's not true, and I think this is a big cultural mis- mis- misconception, that Satan is passively influencing the world, right? I think of the visual that, um, uh, like the Looney Tunes version for you kids that grew up uh, watching Looney Tunes. Remember, there was like the devil was on one of Goofy's shoulders trying to get Goofy to do bad things. He was whispering in Goofy's ear. And then the angel would appear on Goofy's other shoulder and he would whisper to Goofy. Like, and, and the key is you just have to choose more good than bad. And if you do that, then, hey, you get into the kingdom of heaven. And when, you, when the rock falls on you, then you're an angel and you fly up to heaven, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the cultural misperception. That's not what this picture paints here. Look at First Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's a whole different picture of how Satan is actively engaged inside of the world, inside of God's humanity. He is looking for those to devour. He is looking for those to bring with him to destruction. Because the more that he brings away, the less glorified God is. The less of his creation can then respond to him in repentance and faith. It's good, good truths here. Okay, let's keep walking through this. What is other things that we learn here? Now here's the what not to do section. And these three points I have directed toward the Christian that's inside in the room here. Because as I thought about these. um, We're really bad at these. We take this passage many times and we we use it to justify uh, the wrong thing. Here's something we're not supposed to do that we can learn from this passage. We're not supposed to take God's place as judge and jury. Right? But how many times is the church and evangelicals uh, so quick to write out who's outside of the kingdom to, to, to send condemnation and judgment upon the world for acting like the world. Uh, there's a really interesting passage in, in, in Luke, it's in Luke 9 uh, where James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, they're sent ahead to him to a Samaritan village. Jesus first brings the gospel to the Jews. He goes to Galilee, and then he begins to go to Samaritan villages. It's a, it's a, a picture of how the gospel is then going to be taken to all the world. So Jesus sends two of his delegates ahead to this town to say, hey, the Messiah is coming. You guys get ready. Come on, here, here he comes. Come hear the truth of the word. And the Samaritan village rejects Jesus. It doesn't give us a whole lot of details in the passage, but it says they choose not to receive Jesus right? So what does Jesus tell the disciples to do when people don't receive him? You guys remember? Shake, shake the dust off. Remember he says, shake the dust off your feet, move on to the next town. But in the, in the story, James and John come back to Jesus and they say, Jesus, that town rejected you. Would you like us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Like they had that ability to do that, Which we've never seen in the New Testament. We've never seen a person necessarily. We've seen God do it a couple of times when people have asked, right? Old Testament passages. And Jesus rebukes them for that line of thinking. We are not to be the judge and the jury over people, we're to preach the good news of the gospel passionately and fervently and let God open up hearts. God is, is patiently waiting for all, all to turn to him. Here's another thing we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to treat unbelievers like weeds, right? And the church has historically been bad at this. An us and them mentality. Elitism that leads to violence. So many awful atrocities have been committed in the name of the church. I, my wife got me a book from the library on all the untold stories of American history. And they're packed full of the church doing really bad things. When the church had ultimate power, right? It was called the dark ages. It wasn't good times for us. We are not to treat unbelievers like weeds. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. This is what is produced outside of the growth. The Spirit of God working inside of us, we produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness and, and faithfulness church, there is no holy roundup to be sprayed upon the world, but that's many times what what we see, and unfortunately, it's what, what we're known for. We need to be known for people that show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness. Now here's the last one. what's not true? It's not true that uh, I, I, our, 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 what what not to do here. I'm sorry that we, we, sh- we should forget what's at stake when Christ returns, right? Uh, there's always uh, <laughs> apocalyptic talk, right? Every generation for the last 2,000 years has thought they were the last generation before Christ was going to return and was going to reap and was going to separate. When Jesus comes back, Billions will be lost eternally. Billions. Wow. That that should change the way that we interact with people. It should change the way that we love. It should change the way that we we exercise the fruits of the Spirit in our jobs and in our neighborhoods and in our families. Churches should spend as much time teaching on evangelism and compassion as they do the book of Revelation. Right? Because that's how people are saved. I hear so much talk among conservative evangelicals that this country's going to hell. As liberal secularism rises inside of our nation and into politics, there's this um, removalist culture. Okay, we're gonna remove ourselves from that thing because that thing is bad. Man, what did Jesus do? How did he model relationship? He came, he incarnated, he became one of. And yes, God will return at some point. And I don't know when that is. He's pretty vague for a reason. I don't think he wants us to dwell on it that much. I think he wants us to continue to push forward and make disciples. That's what our command is. To love and to give compassion to as many as we possibly can. And let's take as many with us when we go. That's our motivation. Lastly here, what do we do? And it's the same for the believer as it is the unbeliever. Repentance and faith. Uh, we've been teaching our kids through the book of Hebrews. Amy was talking about how the, the, the children's curriculum is wrapping up. And it's been really fun. If you don't do the family devotionals, uh, we have them out in the lobby out there. So the last uh, two years, we've been teaching our kids in the evening going through the, the Bible. And we don't always do it as consistently as, as we like. Uh, but last week, we were walking through the book of Hebrews, and it just really struck me. Uh, And it gave me a lot of peace when it came to preaching this passage because I was all nervous about offending the unbeliever. But here's what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the, the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, To whom we must give account. I love, and part of the reason I wanted us to read so much scripture is I didn't want this just to be my words and my opinions up here. I wanted the word of God to come at us like a two edged sword that pierces through armor and pierces into our heart and lead us to repentance, both to the believer, if we have labeled or if we have disengaged, and also to the unbeliever. As God's word comes to your heart, and if you believe this, if you believe this is truth, then that changes the way that you live. It changes what side you're on. It changes whose kingdom you're a part of. So we repent of being a part of our own kingdom where we sit on the throne and we humble ourselves to God's kingdom where he sits on the throne. That's what salvation is, believing that Jesus came and he paid a price for us that we could not pay. This is what the writer of Hebrews continues to talk about here in this passage. He goes on in verse 14. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to him in our time of need. Wow. That's what it means to come to faith. It means to believe that Jesus came as a high priest, not offering a sacrifice for you like we see in the Old Testament, but becoming the sacrifice for you. He did something for you that you could not do. And in that truth, you come and you grab hold to the throne of grace and you receive mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's what it means to be a wheat that becomes a weed. We embrace the grace of God. We embrace his mercy. And then that leads us to then begin to continue to engage in God and his mission to advance his glory in this world and bring as many people into the kingdom as we possibly can. And here's what happens, church. When when you receive grace, like I mean, when you're just on your face before God saying, I don't deserve you, but I get to receive you. I get to become a son of the kingdom of God. Blessed is the name of the Lord. When that truth hits your heart, Fruit isn't difficult. It just naturally grows and it produces fruit inside of your life. Over the last couple of weeks, as we've been talking through these parables, and and Royce has done a good job of presenting some hard truth to us about, hey, if you don't see fruit in your life, you're probably one of those seeds that fell on the path or got choked by the thorns or the cares of the world or you were trampled underfoot. And so it leads us to say, oh man, I got to, okay, I got to like toughen up. We need to see some more fruit. I need to make this thing make this thing work anthony interaction time that's i don't know what that is actually good job anthony it's a, it's a kind of metaphorical but i get what you're going at here it'd be a good parable but we, as we're continuing to uh, to experience the grace of god and that fruit and that of our life it naturally produces so church here's what i encourage you in your area of repentance and faith here if you're not seeing it Right? If you're saying, man, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing myself. I don't desire to grow in my relationship with God. I don't really like hanging out with you guys. Uh, I don't want to deploy in the culture. I want to remove myself. What do you do? You go back to grace. You get in your knees before God. You remember how unworthy you were, that you once walked in darkness, that you were once a children of wrath. You were once opposed to God. And you experience His grace and you remind yourself that you're God's sons adopted and brought into His kingdom. Heirs of His kingdom and heirs of His glory. And one day you will bask in His glory. You will receive it and you will shine like the sun. But that is a sheer act of grace on God's part. That's what changes us. That's what leads us to have fruit into our lives. Not shame or guilt. I don't want to see that. And, And I had conversations with a number of you guys this week and you said, you know what? I don't think I'm that last seed what do you do? You go back to grace. That's what changes us. That's what we're going to do in a minute. We're going to come and take communion and I'll invite the band back up here. We're going to come and take communion. We're going to experience God's grace all over again. And then we're going to go back out and it's going to change us. But before we do that, I want to give you guys a picture here of what God's kingdom is actively like. Because I know many of you don't feel like God is at work right now. It doesn't seem like it. It's not like maybe you came to faith and it was all sexy at the beginning and it was cool and it was revolutionary. And now it's kind of faded and you're not really sure who God is. You're not really sure what to believe. Look at how God's kingdom works. And we see this here in our parable in, inside of Matthew. Jesus stops right in the middle of his parable and he goes back and he talks about his kingdom and he gives... Two other parables. And here's what he says here. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. The mustard seed and the leaven, something tiny, minuscule. The smallest seed that they had was a mustard seed. Yet when it was planted in a garden, it produced the largest bush up to about 12 feet tall that birds could nest in. A little bit of leaven inside of the dough makes the dough rise, and it makes a lot of dough, right? This is how God's kingdom works. It's very behind the scenes. It's very unambiguous in how God works. But when we think about it, When we look back over the last two thousand years since Jesus spoke, you know what we see? We see a kingdom growing powerfully, don't we? When we think about it, over the last two thousand years, Christianity has spread to every corner of the globe. There's no other religion in the world that is as ethnically diverse that is is in almost every country. Over the last two thousand years. The Christian faith has led the way in compassion and love for the hurting inside of the world. It's influenced art and it's influenced music. It spans every socioeconomic class known to mankind. It stood the test of time and it stood the test of criticism. And all of that came from a crazy homeless dude named Jesus, right? How did that happen? Because God planted the seed and you are those seeds, And God is powerfully at work. And I know it doesn't feel like it all the time. I know it doesn't feel like God's at work. I have days when I don't feel like it. But I remember that God is working. His kingdom is being advanced. And so what do I do? Draw to Christ. I develop in community. And I deploy in the culture. And I let God sort it out. Man, that gives me a whole lot of peace. And I hope it does for you too, church. So I want to invite you guys to come. Take communion. Experience God's grace all over again. And then let's respond to Him in worship.
1: Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.